Hi, and welcome to 5 Minutes of Rum, Notes on Rum, a few minutes at a time. My name is Kevin Up the Grove. Continuing my unplanned run of Jamaican rum from episode 74, and hey, don't call it a miniseries, uh, today I'm featuring a couple of rums from Appleton that you probably won't mix with. Uh, never say never, I guess, but they're certainly not rums for the speed rack. Now, that's not to say that there's not a cocktail recipe in this episode, because I'm going to bring back Appleton Reserve from episode 43 to mix up a slightly less potent zombie called Conversation 16. Now, uh, representing the middle-out compression of this episode is a brief look at a couple of uh, new glassware offerings from your friends at Cocktail Kingdom with samples of how to deploy them. So back to Jamaica I go for episode 75 of 5 Minutes of Rum. Now, before we get started, uh, a brief update on sticker status. Um, as of uh, the last episode, I had gotten to uh, most of the stickers. Now, all of the sticker requests for U.S. listeners uh, that were submitted before September 12th have been mailed. Next up will be any submissions that were received after that time, as well as international listeners. Uh, sorry to my international fans for the extra delay on mailing internationally. Um, I'm getting a real nice lesson on postage as it occurs outside the United States. We'll just leave it at that. Now, in this episode, there's two featured rums. That's the Appleton 21 and Appleton 30. These are two long-age rum from Jama uh, Jamaica's Appleton Estate. Of the two, the 21 is consistently available, while the 30 was a limited release from 2009. The Appleton 21 was a birthday present from five years ago that I've somehow managed to make last for almost exactly five years. That journey is about to come to a, uh, come to a, co a close, uh, and it's probably time for a new bottle. In fact, I think it's going to come to a close as of this episode. Uh, the sample of Appleton 30 I have is due to the largesse of a friend of the show, uh, Wayne, uh, last name withheld, who has slipped me uh, multiple fine samples of rum in cleanly labeled small bottles, and I have him to thank for the Appleton 30 sample I have in this episode. So many thanks to him for the limited release of Appleton 30. wasn't something I was likely to have otherwise. And now let's get to tasting. Now I'm going to start with the Appleton 21. That's the, the one that I have from a few years ago as a gift. Uh, this bottle, the packaging has changed since I received my bottle five years ago. Uh, mine is uh, was packaged in what is still the current bottle shape for the Appleton Signature, Appleton Reserve, and Appleton 12. That's a squat bottle with a screw top. Uh, the rum itself is similar to the 30 in appearance um, with a solid maple syrup color. Uh, a hint of that green aging line up on top, which we'll get to a little bit more with the Appleton 30. Now the bottle and the packaging that it now comes in, it now mimics the bottles of the higher portion of the line, uh, like the Appleton 30 and the Appleton 50. It doesn't look exactly like those, but it now comes in a, a different shaped bottle with like a cork stopper, uh, a little bit more robust looking to differentiate it from the uh, the other part of the line. Uh, when it comes to aroma, and I have some uh, right here next to me, of course, the 21 has a, a bit of punch and heat on the nose, um, a little more so than we'll, we'll get to with the 30. Um, it retains a bit more of the, the that funk that Jamaican rums are known for, uh, but relatively so. This isn't uh, rum fire, so you're not going to get the same kind of thing on the nose as you would from that rum. Um, I also get a little bit of sugar along with a little bit of earthiness or soil, however you want to characterize that. Uh, when it comes to taste, uh, hang on a sec. Now, um, considering that it's the 21-year-old rum, this is a relatively bright sip of rum. So um, typically, the longer you go in the barrel, the more it's going to pick up the barrel notes and it's going to mute the flavor a little bit. Um, not necessarily in a bad way, but it, the barrel time in the barrel does change the rum. Now, it, I find that this one still retains some of that brightness that almost uh, belies its its time in the barrel a little bit. Uh, there's a little hint of sweetness and a light pepper note on the tip of the uh, tip of the tongue, 
Uh, it has, a, for me, a nice heavy mouthfeel, which is one of the things I really appreciate in a, in a rum. There's also a, a cleanliness that reminds me of green apple. Not necessarily the taste of green apple, but the feeling that maybe you, you eat a slice of a Granny Smith apple and it feels very crisp and clean. That kind of uh, uh, flavor to it. Um, a quick sip, uh, another quick sip, on the other hand, gives me a little bit more of the barrel taste, um, almost like I didn't, didn't get a chance to make its full presence known, meaning it changes a little bit over time from that first sip to a couple other sips later in the glass. When it comes to finish, uh, this rum uh, really lingers in the throat for me, and the heat moves around your mouth in the throat as it sort of chases the swallow and then eventually rises back up in the throat just to give you a little bit of a reminder where you were. And that's one of the things I really like about this rum is it's got a really nice finish uh, that kind of moves around a little bit and changes over time. So it's got what I would consider a relatively complex finish. Uh, to sum up, for me, this is one of my standard bearers of a sipping rum. It has a nice long finish and strikes a balance between a more traditional aggressive Jamaican rum and a long aged rum. Uh, this is one of my, what do you call quote unquote, special occasion rums, but not one that is so outrageously expensive that I don't dare sip it. Now, speaking of something so outrageously expensive, let's talk a little bit about the Appleton 30. Um, appearance of the Appleton 30. Well, mine came in a small brown bottle that you'll see a picture of in the show notes, uh, simply labeled Appleton 30. Uh, if you procure your own full bottle, um, it looks like uh, sort of a, like, like I mentioned with the the new version of the Appleton 21, kind of a a thick glass squat bottle with a, with a big thick uh, cork stopper in it. Now, in the glass, it doesn't look dissimilar to other uh, aged Jamaican rums, uh, excuse me, aged Appleton rums. It's got a, that nice maple syrup color. And on this rum, it's very easy to see that green tint at the top edge of the rum in the glass. So um, this is something you can see on long aged rums. If you put it in your glass, hold it up to the light and tilt it at like a 45 degree angle, you'll often see a little bit of a green tint around the top edge of the rum more so the longer it's been aged, and that's um, a kind of an indicator of the aging process. Uh, and it's very pronounced on the Appleton 30, a little bit more so than the 21. Uh, if you were to have trouble seeing that on some of the lighter age rums, the Appleton 30 would probably make that very, very apparent to you. Uh, of course, it makes sense because you can pick that out on the 30 because it's been in the barrel for 30 years. Uh, aroma, uh, very light astringency uh, with oak notes and some sugar and vanilla from the barrel. And now if you agitate the rum by swirling it in the glass, you can bring more heat to the nose. So the longer I let it sit open in the glass, the more sweetness also appeared on the nose. So it changed a little bit as it aerated and really agitating the rum was what brought out the, the astringency or the, the fire on the nose that you would look for. Um, taste. So I didn't follow the template. I didn't spit out my first sip given the size and the cost of this sample of rum that I had. Uh, but I, as, as I sipped that first and second and then third sip, I was rewarded with a nice chewy rum, drier than the nose led me to expect, but certainly not unusual given the age of the rum. Uh, there were notes of leather, but no real spice that I was picking up. It's also not a hogo bomb like some Jamaican rum, so even less so than the Appleton 21, you're not getting a lot of that uh, funk that people associate with Jamaican rums. Um, that's not really Appleton style at all anyways, so maybe don't expect that. They don't you know, they have a little bit of that funkiness in some of their rums when they mix in some pot distillate, but that's not really their characteristic. They're not, they're not going for, again, like I said before, rum fire, or even th for that matter, uh, something like a Hamilton Jamaican rum. Uh, finish, the uh, finish was long, slow, and, and fairly complex, uh, heavy on the woodiness that lingers the longest on both the tongue and the throat. Um, it's not a terribly warm finish, but there is a small amount of heat. Uh, to sum up the 30, I found that to be an extremely nice sipping rum, um, it's not trying to be out there. It's, you know, it wants to be a well-executed aged rum, um, and it succeeds at that. 
It does pick up a lot of the barrel um, by virtue of the amount of time it's spent in that barrel. Um, and so that's the prominent uh, predominant characteristic I found with the Appleton 30 was picking up barrel notes. But I did really enjoy it, and I thought it was a ni- very nice sipping rum. Uh, whether or not it's worth the cost is a personal choice, uh, but rest assured that this is a very well-made rum. Um, and then the obvious question would be 30 versus 21. Um, what I'd like to do if I had unlimited resources, I'd probably try them in a blind taste test where I didn't know which one was which that I was sipping, uh, which one I was sipping. My personal preference overall is for the 21. Um, in terms of long-aged rums, I think the 21 still retains some of the characteristics I find important in Appleton Reserve and the Appleton 12-year. The 30 is a very grand rum to be sure, but it might be a bit too aged for my preference. And though, like I said, a blind taste test would be very enlightening and might actually lead me to a different conclusion. Who knows? So let's talk a little bit about the production of these rums. And by a little bit, I mean there's not a ton of information out there, but with these uh, particular long age rums, it's really not so much about the production, well, a little bit, but it is also uh, just as much about the aging. Uh, let's, but then let's start a little bit with Appleton. We've talked about Appleton on the show before, uh, as I mentioned, the Appleton Reserve in show 43, and then some shows before that. Um, as of the, this recording, which is October of 2017, Appleton is part of the J. Ray and Nephew Limited Company. Uh, J. Ray bought Appleton Estate in 1916. J. Ray, in turn, as a company, is owned by Campari, at least as of 2012. Uh, Appleton is, of course, based in Jamaica. And the larger J. Ray company also produces other Jamaican rums like Karuba, J. Ray Overproof, and the other parts of the Appleton line, like the Appleton Signature, the Gold, uh, excuse me, the Signature, the Reserve, and the 12-Year. Now, the lower-cost Appleton Gold and White that were uh, have been recently rebranded as J. Ray rums. So there was an Appleton Special White and an Appleton Special Gold. Again, those have been rebranded now into the J. Ray line. Uh, the same the same rums. They're kind of the low old low end of the Appleton line that are now part of uh, the J Ray line. That you you may have seen those in Total Wine if you have one of those local to you. They were reintroduced to the market sometime last year. Now, if you're familiar with uh, Appleton rums, you can anticipate the basic template: uh, molasses base and a blend of pot still and column still products. Now, at the helm of blending, and blending is the heart of the Appleton style. Uh, is Joy Spence. Joy Spence is the master blender at Appleton. She has been since 1997, so happy 20th anniversary, Joy. Uh, and keep in mind, again, like I said, how important blending is to the style of Appleton rums. Their, their rums are largely blends that have to remain consistent from year to year and from batch to batch. Uh, blending is a, a science. Uh, in fact, also remember that, like many others in this field, Joy knows a lot about chemistry. She has a master's of science degree in analytical chemistry. Uh, and on that note of Joy Spence and her 20 years, the master blender of Appleton, early this year, there was a limited release of an Appleton product uh, called simply Joy. It is a blend that contained rums, no less than 25, uh, a blend of rums, none of which were less than 25 years old, including this blend was a 35-year-old rum, a 25-year-old pot still rum, and then other rums to go along with that. And again, thanks to Wayne. Uh, who I mentioned with the uh, Appleton 30 earlier, I was able to sample a bit of the Appleton Joy. Uh, since it was just released this year, you can probably still find some stock in stores, even though it was limited edition. Uh, it was, if I recall correctly, around $230 for a 750 milliliter bottle. Uh, the sample I had, I don't have really detailed notes on it. Uh, I felt that I prefer the 90, uh, excuse me, the 21 and the 30 compared to the Joy. The Joy, um, if I were to characterize it, this is kind of an odd way to say it. It had a lot of vertical style, not a lot of horizontal style. So it had some layers vertically, uh, but I found it to be sort of in a narrow range. Uh, Not to say I didn't like it. It's just it didn't, you know, as far as the different blends that Appleton has, I didn't find that one to be as enjoyable as the 21 and the 30. Um, 
So let's see, back to our other long age runs for this episode. Uh, let's start with the Appleton 21. So Appleton 21 from Appleton State is more or less their quote unquote achievable premium rum. Uh, it's not quite aspirational because it's probably within your grasp if you're uh, if you're buying a little bit more high end rums. Um, with the 21, you're probably spending a little more than is comfortable, but you're rewarded with a premium product in my humble opinion. Uh, the packaging, as I mentioned before, is changed to adopt the cork-stopped, more rounded yet taller-looking bottle used by their other premium offerings like the 30. Uh, the 50-year bottle, yes, there is an Appleton 50. Uh, no, we will not talk about that in this show. And the Joy bottle, um, they have their own shapes to those bottles. The 21 is bottled at 43% alcohol by volume and retails for about $120 last I checked for a 750 milliliter container. So it's not totally unreasonable and it's very cost uh, cost effective when you compare to premium spirits of other styles like whiskey, uh, but it is quite a bit for a rum. So, you know, it's like I said before, so it gets you into that uncomfortable range, but what you buy, you do really get a premium product. Um, it's a blend of molasses-based rums. It's a combination of column and pot still distillate of various ages. None of those are less than the 21 years on the label. So Appleton, Appleton labels as a quote-unquote minimum aged product, meaning that the number on the label is the minimum age of the various rums in the bottle that make up the blend. Uh, it could be older, but it won't be younger than what's said, what was said on the label for Appleton rums. Uh, production uh, for Appleton 21 uh, is about 12,000 bottles produced a year. Now, to compare that, uh, the 30, the Appleton 30, was a run of just 1,440 bottles that was released in 2008 or 2009, depending on what article you read on the internet. But I think it was sort of the end of 2008 and then introduced in the market in 2009. Um, just 744 of those, or roughly half, were introduced into the U.S. market. Now, there are still some bottles on the market. Uh, it's more like a secondary market, though. You're not finding them from first-run retailers. You're finding them from resellers. And the prices are very high. I think the original retail was $395 American. And now you're going to pay what the secondary, mark dic uh, secondary market dictates if you can even find a bottle. Uh, and I did find a couple online, but they varied anywhere, you know, a couple hundred, or sorry, a few hundred dollars to uh, low thousands of dollars. Um, the rum is bottled at 43% alcohol by volume, also known as 86 proof. Um, I get the idea from reading about this rum that it was a combination experiment and statement in producing a long-age rum, something that was, at the time, pretty outside Appleton's MO back in the 2000s. Uh, again, like their other rums, this is a molasses-based rum with a total aging time of 30 years, just like it says on the tin. It is a blend of different rums that were each originally aged eight years on their own, and then those base rums were combined, um, and the, of the, those, those base rums were a combination of pot and column stills, um, just like other Appleton rums. And then after they blended those eight-year-aged different distillates, the mixture went back into six different oak casks for 22 years. Now, the $395 question, of course, is, is it worth it? Now, that's too subjective for me to answer. Well, mostly I just don't want to be responsible for how you spend your money. But to quote a famous 80s movie, if you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. Now, moving from rum into glassware. There's a couple of different glasswares from... Uh, Cocktail Kingdom that I've picked up actually over the course of a year, but I just haven't mentioned them on the show and no time like the present considering the uh, the recipe in this episode. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was, uh, a, you know, most, if you buy bitters in the store, you're in your store bitters, your fees bitters, they come in basically dasher bottles that have a stopper in the, in the front, or excuse me, in the top of the bottle. And you can dash those out with ease. Now, if you're either making your own bitters or you're making some other concoction that you want to dash out, 
um, you can buy essentially a, what is just an empty bitters bottle. Um, in the case of this uh, one from Cocktail Kingdom, it's a 100 milliliter or 3.4 ounce bitters bottle in clear glass of a nice shape. Uh, there's a picture and links to this in the show notes. And then it's got a cork stopper and a, basically a dasher stop in the top. Uh, these are good for, like I said, any number of things, whether you are making your own bitters, maybe you have some other sort of mixture you want to put in there. Uh, but mostly I found for my purposes, what I've really used it for is this little thing that came up in the uh, the recent, well, not so recent anymore, I guess it's been out for over a year, uh, the Smuggler's Cove book, a little something called Herbstura. Now, Herbstura, uh, if you please pull out your copy of Smuggler's Cove and turn to page 228 if you haven't already uh, read about this. Um, this is one of those things that it's so simple that once you read about it, you're like, I can't believe I didn't, one, I can't believe I didn't think about this, and two, I'm just going to do this all the time. Um, if you know a lot of Don's recipes, you know a lot of Don the Beachcomber recipes have a combination of sort of the secret secret sauce of Don's recipes, which is a combination of Angostura bitters and an anise liqueur, either in the form of Pernod or Herb Saint. Uh, so what Martin Kate has advocated, and again, makes perfect sense, is Rather than do a dash of Angostura bitters and one-eighth of a teaspoon or, or six drops of Pernod or Herb Saint in a cocktail, those are roughly analogous. Those are roughly equivalent. So why not just combine equal parts of those into a bottle and then dash it out, you know, one or two dashes at a time. So that's exactly what Herb Stura is, and that's exactly what these bitter bottles from Cocktail Kingdom I have found to be very, very useful for. So I simply take that bottle um, and then uh, apply equal parts Angostura bitters and, in my case, Pernod, because I'm still working on the bottle I bought three years ago, uh, possibly next time uh, uh, equal parts of Herb Saint as I buy a different bottle next time. But anyways, the, the, the gist is equal parts of the bitters and the anise liqueur, and then you can just shake that out. When you, when you see something that calls for Angostura bitters and Pernod, just do a dash or two of that, uh, depending on how the recipe, you know, what the recipe calls for, whether it's a heavy heavy dash or a light dash and that makes it much easier so um, certainly uh, investigate uh, adding one of these bitters bottles to your to your own uh, uh, bar I think there's probably not too long for now when I'm actually going to be filling it with my own bitters but at least for now uh, it's a great receptacle for the herb store the other glassware that I want to talk about also from cocktail kingdom this time from the beach bunberry collection is the beach bunberry zombie glasses these are Two 15-ounce Collins glasses. Uh, well, you can get it as a two-pack. That's your consumer version. They also sell it in a, a larger volume version for retail establishments. But uh, in the consumer version, you're going to get two glasses, two zombie glasses. Uh, they, like I said, they're Collins-style glasses, 15 ounces. They have graphics on it. They're frosted glass with graphics on it and some strategic breaks in the frosting of those glasses that uh, if you look in the pictures of the show notes of the cocktail that appears later in this episode, you'll see uh, one way to use that uh, frosted glass to a uh, nice presentation effect. Um, again, there's two glasses in there. One, um, they both have sort of a, a, a cocktail, or we'll call it a zombie beach bunberry, shaking a cocktail on the front with some grabbing hands that grab all they can. Um, and then on the back of each one is a recipe. On one is the uh, 1934 zombie, and then on the back of the other one is the recipe for the 1950s zombie. They're two different versions. They're sort of the mid-century zombie versus the original zombie. Um, these are really nice glasses. They feel a little bit light in the hand. Like you're like, these feel like they're almost a little bit fragile. Uh, but I've been using them for about a year and haven't had any ill effects. Um, and I think they, they look really sharp. Um, not surprisingly given the rest of the beach bunberry collection. So check out, there's links to those in the show notes as well as pictures of those in the show notes. And it's probably worth mentioning, uh, just because it's that time of year. And this, uh, this occurred about a week ago. 
uh, that the there's a twenty new for 2017 Tonga Hut out in Los Angeles and Palm Springs. They have some zombie glasses that I'll have pictures of in the show notes as well. I don't know if those are available. On, are they if they are available online? Uh, but if not, and you're in the area or you know somebody that's going to go in the area, they're they're worth a pickup. Uh, they are they have art designed or art produced by Derek Yaniger on them. Uh, very sharp looking. Last year's zombie glasses also very good looking. Had art by Tiki Tony. Uh, but if you are in the Tonga Hut area or you know somebody that's going, uh, there's some new zombie glasses that you might want to pick up there as well. Now, all of that leads us to the cocktail in this uh, in this episode. That's The cocktail is called the Conversation 16. Uh, the inspiration for this cocktail, well, so one of my favorite cocktails is the 1934 zombie. Uh, the 34 zombie is kind of a masterpiece of, of um, complexity, of hiding a lot of rum in what seems to be a ridiculous recipe and yet still making it work. Um, I just find the flavors and, uh, to be very appealing. The problem is, is 34 zombies are so good at what they do, which is masking the amount of booze they have, that after you have two, um, you're kind of making, you're going to have a short night and a bad morning. Uh, and so I started thinking about, well, what else, what are, one, what other zombies are there that I like? And two, are there alternatives to, you know, that I could adapt to? Now, another drink that I like um, that's not really in the style of 34 zombie necessarily, but it is a very, very enjoyable cocktail is the shrunken zombie head at Trader Sam's in uh, at the Disneyland Hotel. Now, that one, again, I don't think it mimics the exact flavor profile of a 1934 zombie, but what I like is it's a it's it's it definitely feels like a zombie style drink. It's got a nice uh, a nice uh, mix of flavors and it's strong without being overpowering. So you you know, you are able to enjoy that and enjoy another one and then that's not the end of your night. So my thinking was I don't really want to create the recreate a shrunken zombie head from Trader Sam's, but what I want is something that's kind of like a 34 zombie that is a little bit, you know, dials back the rum a little bit. Now, this is actually the recipe as I worked on it. Again, what I wanted to do was get similar to the flavor profile, but I didn't actually want to I didn't want to mimic a different recipe. Now, what I ended up doing is I ended up coming pretty close without trying to the simplified zombie that's in Beach Bunbury Remixed on page 169. Um, Beach Bunbury wrote in when creating this recipe, this was something that he newly added to Remixed, is that he was trying to replicate the uh, flavor profile of a zombie, recognizing that this recipe wasn't going to be as complex, but wanted to help people avoid um, going on a wild goose chase for something like a Lemon Heart 151. Uh, so where I ended up was I ended up something which was kind of similar with the recipe, but I didn't make any concession to not wanting to have people chase a quality 151 rum. So um, I kind of had a similar goal. I wanted to mimic that flavor profile, make it a little bit simpler, but I wanted to make it simpler in terms of uh, a little bit less potent as opposed to make it simpler for somebody to chase down the recipe. So there is a nod to the shrunken zombie head and the fact that I wanted something that moved the alcohol level to about two and a half ounces of rum as part of the uh, cocktail component. And there's a little bit of nod to the simplified zombie by Beach Bumberry into making something that's a little bit more streamlined, something that you can shake and isn't require too many uh, ingredients that are hard to come by, with, again, with the possible exception of the um, high quality 151 rum that goes into it. Now, um, as I mentioned, I'm not really mixing with the Appleton 21 and certainly not with the Appleton 30. Uh, so in this case, the base rum is going to be an Appleton Reserve, again, which we originally discussed in episode 43. There's a link to that in the show notes if you want to go back and listen to that episode again. So with that, the uh, cocktail, it's called Conversation 16. Uh, you fans of the National will understand exactly why it's called Conversation 16. And those of you that are not fans of the National, um, well, 
It's just a short Google trip away. Uh, conversation 16 is two ounces of a blended aged rum, in this case, Appleton Reserve, one half ounce of black blended overproof rum. In this case, I'm using Lemon Heart 151, the new version, three quarter ounce of fresh lime juice, one half ounce of fresh white grapefruit juice, one half ounce of cinnamon syrup. Uh, this you'll note is a one-to-one -one mix of cinnamon and grapefruit. Uh, it's an easier Don's mix. Don's mix is actually two parts grapefruit juice to one part cinnamon syrup. And in most cases, when it calls for a half ounce of that, you have to mix an ounce of it to get a half. Never mind. It's just in this case, it's easier to use the one-to-one -one ratio. And one quarter ounce of grenadine, and then round it out with one dash of herb stura. Again, that's equal parts of herb saint and Ingostura bitters combined in a dasher bottle. Now, shake all of that in a shaker tin with ice cubes, and then shake that and pour unstrained into a beach bum berry zombie glass, a Collins glass, or a tall tiki mug, and then garnish it with a mint spray. Again, uh, so tasting this, I don't have one in front of me, but I have plenty of experience in the last couple of months as I worked on this recipe, um, actually tasting them. You'll get um, a couple of the key highlights from the 34 zombie. You're going to get the cinnamon. You're going to get the white grapefruit juice. The grenadine in this case adds a little bit of sweetness, but you're not you're not using the falernum from the 34 zombie. You'll get that Dawn secret mix, which is the herb stura, and then you're getting that sort of you know heavier, darker rum, the combination of the Appleton Reserve and the Lemon Heart 151. So it's not a true 34 zombie. You're not you know masking five and a half ounces of rum inside a uh, a 10 ounce drink. Uh, but you do make a quality zombie-esque drink uh, that I think is deserving and something you can enjoy throughout the evening without having to worry about too much about what happens the next day. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. The show links are up on the 5 Minutes of Rum website. That's number 5, minutesofrum.com. The show is also on iTunes as 5 Minutes of Rum. Uh, you can subscribe there. You can rate the show there. You can even leave a review. The show is also on Twitter and Instagram as 5 Minutes of Rum. That's at symbol number 5 Minutes of Rum. Please send in any comments, corrections, feedback, or requests via the 5 Minutes of Rum website or on Twitter or on Instagram. And now, go get some rum.